Today's episode of Onto Waveland is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Hey folks, welcome in to On to Waveland. This is the... <laughs> oh, that's brutal. That was bad. Gosh. I don't know what I was trying, you know. Like, it's going to become a theme now. Every episode, I'm going to start the intro and then talk about the intro. Uh, because I just keep trying different things and it doesn't play. So anyway, this is Brett Taylor. That's the hot of Sharma laughing at me. Patrick Mooney is uh, probably stifling chortles himself now. Um, he's also with us. It's Honda Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. And uh, we want to talk um, about a great piece that Patrick just wrote at The Athletic with the help of John Greenberg. And we're going to get into that in just a second. I wanted to update. You know, I feel like, so, it, although this podcast might not be the primary news source for Cubs fans right now. I do think that because we don't have games going on right now, it's possible that people are a little more checked out from like the day-to-day intake of news. And so I think it's still worthwhile. You know, we're here on Wednesday afternoon to provide just whatever little news updates there are in terms of like the baseball world. So I want to do that here at the top for folks. And we don't necessarily have to discuss it because it's kind of the same stuff we've been talking about um you know you can listen to our last episode patrick and i got into the various spring training related plans for coming back but the slight bit of news is that dr fauci dr anthony fauci the sort of foremost leader in um epidemics here in the united states he gave an interview on snapchat interestingly and essentially said um you know he basically endorsed the arizona plan as doable in fact it's like the way to do it if you're going to bring back baseball um at some point kind of summer late summer um and again from purely a public health perspective it's doable it can be executed and and that's noteworthy because i think he's he's viewed as um a trustworthy source on this topic but i do think it's very important to caveat that with you know, he's, he was not opining on whether it is um, a, a smart idea for the league or the players, whether it's logistically doable in Arizona, nothing like that. Just that from a pure public health and safety perspective, yes, you could do it. Um, so, you know, Patrick's hot. If any comments on that that you wanted to share before we kind of transition off of that? If if I'm remembering correctly, because I watched the, the video quickly, it was a short, you know, four minute video interview uh and and i i think they he was just asked could sports come back this summer and and so it was a, it was a pretty open-ended question in in a sense and he and he kind of specifically talked about baseball in that in that it's possible if you do it this way so it wasn't even i i guess my point is he came up with that idea on his own uh 
without being like guided towards can the Arizona plan work he was like if you do it like this so it's not as insane as it may have seemed to some when when the Arizona plan popped up I guess that's the way it has to be done it, the early steps or early on it, that's the way to to pull it off obviously you guys talked about it and I think I'm on the same page with you guys that there's a lot of logistical issues uh, that would have to face but uh, you know, it, it it does give that slight glimmer of hope when you hear uh, someone like him bring it up as a viable as a viable plan. And, and hopefully, you know, as the weeks go by, it seems more possible and doesn't seem as far fetched as, as it may feel at times. Obviously, both sides are extremely motivated to get something done and put together some sort of product this year. And I think if you get someone. Uh, a voice uh, of authority like that, um, at least kind of being open to it and being involved in those conversations, I think that would probably ease a lot of uh, people's concerns and give those sorts of plans uh, a lot more credibility if it, if it, you kind of throw his weight behind it. Yeah, so that actually sets up a nice transition into what we wanted to talk about. Um, I think very good and nuanced point that you made, Sahadev, that he, you know, Dr. Fauci wasn't asked about the Arizona plan. He was just asked, you're right, generally, you know, can sports come back this summer? And what he laid out happened to match exactly to what the Arizona plan was. Um, so, you know, again, like you said, you could take that as a little more credence. Um, you know, I would say probably that's because when MLB was formulating the Arizona plan as a possibility, they <laughs> yeah. probably got lots of input from experts. Uh, so I guess, like you, you hope, said, right? that does. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd hope, you'd hope. So, you know, I mentioned that as a transition because part of what, and we, we talked about this last time, the Arizona plan, as opposed to, you know, splitting between Arizona and Florida and doing the Cactus League and Grapefruit League, as sort of titillating as that might sound, um, I tend to think the Arizona plan makes a little more sense um, and probably is going to be strongly preferred by MLB because it at least leaves open the possibility that you could start in Arizona, you know, whenever it is, July, whatever, a month or two. And then if the situation has changed dramatically in the country, you could resume play back at, um, you know, teams home ballparks because you would still be on the same schedule. Um, I raise that because, again, uh, the fantastic piece that Patrick put up at The Athletic today about what is happening in Wrigleyville um, with no baseball. And it's every community that has professional sports is no doubt impacted by their absence. But I think that for anyone who knows anything about Wrigleyville, knows about sort of the unique um, situation of Wrigley Field in a neighborhood, um, the connection between those 81 home games and the surrounding neighborhood and the businesses that survive there um, is really exceptional. It's a very, very different world than most other professional sports areas. And so to not even have the possibility of any games um, there, and again, whether there can be fans or not is, is a whole other question. Um, it just, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's a somber topic because I think we focus so much on the players and the games and the TV and all these things, but like 
there there's an entire community there in Wrigleyville that is profoundly affected right now by not having baseball. And so um, I think it's worth just raising that topic and thinking about these impacts because it does it ultimately informs the way we talk about these issues going forward because again it's very easy and correct to focus on health and safety and that but there are a lot of other really really important impacts where people um, can be harmed in other ways by what's going on so you know there's there's a kind of setup there and I know I normally pass the torch to Sahadev but let me throw it to Patrick first just to kind of uh, discuss as you like what what you got into in your article and um, how it, I don't know, shapes our thinking going forward about a year that might be without baseball in Wrigleyville. Thanks, Brett. I think kind of everyone understands that you know, retail, bars, restaurants are kind of uh, volatile, difficult industries. And particularly in Wrigleyville, there's kind of a you know, a boom or bust nature that at least on some level reflects how the Cubs are doing. Obviously, uh, 2016 was this kind of gold mine year for them, but like no one plans their business thinking that no one can leave their house for months at a time with no end in sight. And I think, you know, in, in talking to s- some people uh, in the neighborhood, I think it's just, you know, they're like all of us, they're, they're frustrated. They're they're waiting uh, for answers. Uh, there are good days and bad days, um, but it's just so unfortunate that you know a lot of people um, in Wrigleyville have you know, worked in some cases their entire lives for this. These are people that will work, you know, seven days a week routinely, and to kind of have everything. Uh, put on pause is obviously just devastating. And it's like you're saying, not just um, <clears throat> a Wrigley story, but it's just looking at just a very small piece of a large city. And we're talking 1,100 businesses only in East Lakeview. That's not even including the Southport area, which is part of Lakeview or kind of the <clears throat> uh, Lincoln, Belmont, Ashland uh, giant intersection there. We're just, you know, there, I know kind of over the years, you know, Wrigley has certainly changed since the Ricketts family poured roughly a billion dollars, uh, into their, uh, Wrigley campus, but there still, uh, are lots of mom and pop places. And, you know, there, there's kind of something for everyone. You may not like, you know, certain bars or certain restaurants might not, be the kind of atmosphere uh, you want, but we're talking about, you know, kind of you know clothing stores or independent bookstores. Uh, Boys Town is right uh, around the corner. It's just um, really unprecedented. Uh, it's really hard uh, to fathom, and you know the Arizona plan won't do a lot for these businesses. Um, the ones that are most directly tied. Uh, to the Cubs. And I think um, we really don't know what, we don't know when the Cubs are going to be back playing at Wrigley again. And we don't know what the neighborhood uh, will look like by that point. A couple of things that, that I, I think about immediately is how often have we heard uh, 
so many different stories. I, I think about the stories that John, John writes a lot. John Greenberg, uh, Patrick and I's editor, uh, they he writes a lot about the businesses around there or just the business side of of sports at times. And and at least once a year, uh, the topic of what if the Cubs don't make the playoffs or, you know, the Cubs have been bad uh, this year. How is that affecting these businesses? Uh, you know, a month of, you know, no October baseball uh, a poor performing team impacts those businesses severely. Like they're, they, that's a big deal to them and, and they rely on a team that that's competitive. So, so that uh, fans are coming through those businesses and there's a lot of, you know, excitement and, and that, that impacts how much money they make. Just the concept of no baseball is really, it's gotta be terrifying for them that it's, Obviously, it's not a it's a familiar feeling for many people uh, right now. But I, I just think about that, how we talk about this as, oh, no, the, no playoffs. Those those bars, those uh, those clothing stores that are selling Cubs gear, they're going to really struggle. That's too bad for them. And now it's a uh, potentially a whole season without it. A, a kind of uh, really jarring to think about. The other thing is, I, you know, Patrick and I travel a lot. Obviously, we've seen all the ball. I've seen almost all the ballparks. I think Patrick's seen them all. Uh, it it is. I, I'm not sure how much Cubs fans really realize how unique the neighborhood aspect of it is. I don't think I fully appreciated it until I started going to a bunch of other ballparks. Even when I grew up going to County Stadium, which is you know now Miller Park. Uh, you know the was the parking lot of County stadium. So that's, that's nowhere close to anything. Right. So if you've been up to Milwaukee, you know that I, I think about going to cover the Mets, you're not impacting business just because the surrounding businesses at city field with no games, it's, it's a very different atmosphere. And now I'm not saying it's the, it's the only type of place like that, but it's such a different atmosphere. Wrigleyville being plopped in the middle of a of a neighborhood, this uh, you know historic ballpark, and, and it and the Cubs really do prop up a lot of those businesses. So it's just I, I think you know most of the people listening to this likely haven't been to uh, all thirty ballparks. It's it's if you don't know how unique this is, it's completely different. Wrigley Field and the Cubs make those businesses go. And uh, it, it'd be really sad as as much as, like Patrick said, it's a lot of different types of people there. Wrigleyville isn't where I hang out, where I go to get a meal uh, when I want to relax or have a beer. Uh, but it, 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 <laughs> but it, but it matters to a lot of people. And it is, you know, and it's a big, it's that atmosphere is, it's something that I can appreciate at minimum. I, I appreciate it. I, I, you know, th there's nothing that I enjoy more after a game, like getting a text from Brett and saying, Hey, I'm around, I, I'm in town, uh, come grab a beer with, with me. You know, I, I dread the, the super fans that are going to be following him around and asking for autographs. But other than that, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an enjoyable part of the season to know that, Hey, I have friends that are going to be around after a game that I can meet up with. That's always something that's there. And Wrigleyville uh, allows that to happen. Think about like any other ballpark, most other ballparks, trying to meet friends afterwards is a pain in the butt. It really is. There's either limited options or, or you're going miles away from the ballpark. And, and this is just, it's a completely different world. And it's a, it's sad to think that, you know, uh, 
a fun little neighborhood made is just one of the many that are that are drastically disrupted right now. We think about, like Patrick said, that the nature of bars and restaurants and boutique stores and, and a lot of the things that make Wrigleyville what it is, they aren't set up to have massive disruptions. I mean, the margins are very thin um, and the, the reality is if there is not a circumstance that allows for these, the businesses to be patronized at a, you know, sort of bare minimum level, I'm talking not just that eventually when things open back up and the stay home orders are lifted. Um, but I mean that like, that there's a reason for people to go out in Wrigleyville and, and, you know, sort of esta- patronize these establishments, the reality that will face uh, as fans, those of us who sort of care about that neighborhood is that it's not going to look next year like it did last year. Um, there will be um, a lot of businesses that go under. And that's a, this just such a scary thought tied to one maybe lost year. And it's, it's sort of the, I don't know, it's the good and the bad of having this community that's so intimately tied to the Cubs um, you never envision that something like this is going to happen. Um, and then it does. And you just, you hope that there's a way for people to, um, you know, somehow support and, and, and let these establishments stay because it's like any one individual place maybe doesn't carry the day, but it's the collective of, of all these, you know, small divey or, cool or hip places kind of all gathered in one little area right around Wrigley Field that makes it so special. And it's, it's really, you know, I think we've mentioned this before. It's like, this is a bigger conversation than just that too. It's, it's a reminder of how much is impacted by when sports go away. And I think it's really important that we continue to consider those things um, as we proceed through this time where it's going to be like, you know, eventually we'll head into like a recovery period and maybe that won't involve people being able to go to live sports, but it, it may involve people making conscious choices to support and help the industries or businesses or areas that they really care about. And um, I hope that we find a way to do that for Wrigleyville and, you know, Obviously, we could say this about a million businesses and areas, but just Patrick's piece really brought it home to me that I just personally, like Sahad have said, I mean, I am someone who loves when I'm there, I want to hang out in Wrigleyville. That's what I do. And it's very special to me. And um, I just don't want to see that uh, changed in an irreparable way come next year because of what happened this year. Yeah, I mean, before we wrap it up, I want to make sure I just say this is just in general uh, what you're talking about. It's it's not just for Wrigleyville, obviously. So if there's something, if there's takeout that you love or, or you know, a liquor store or whatever it is, those are the two things that I've been, you know, trying to support my local beer store and my and local food, trying to make sure to order delivery. It's you know, if you feel comfortable doing that and it's it's safe from what we understand, then then go do that because if you have the financial means still to take care of uh, to take care of that, I I would suggest doing that. It's uh, 
uh, we've been cooking a lot. <laughs> the dishwasher has never been so constantly full and run in this house, but uh, there's certainly we're we're trying to switch it up and and look for places to order from places that we both have previously supported or we've heard good things about and need to support now. And uh, and and we definitely the the alcohol consumption definitely hasn't gone down in this house. So we're we're supporting those those places as well. So uh, you're just doing it for the greater good. Right? Like yeah, just, this is doing your this part. is all. Yeah, I'm just trying to make sure these businesses don't go under. It has nothing to do with anything else. I barely like the alcohol. I'm just drinking it all to make sure that these guys don't go out of business. <laughs> But that's, you know, I just want to make sure that if you can, don't be afraid to do it. Go, you know, order takeout, order, you know, order delivery. Uh, you know, most liquor stores in the area are still being, you, you can still pick stuff up if you if you don't want to make, you know, you don't want to go out too often, obviously. So uh, I'm trying to do that. And hopefully, uh, hopefully this ends sooner than later and we can actually go pick stuff up in a, in a normal way sometime down the line. Sorry, what was I was on a website ordering booze. What, what were you saying, guys? Ordering and drinking. At the same yeah. Time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, we can we can leave it there. I, I think you know we got to go glad, drink. I gotta I gotta go it's, get some white claw, uh, <laughs> and I'm not sorry about it. So no, but seriously, I'm I'm really glad we had the opportunity to do. Um, this podcast and and I appreciate that um, mention there at the end, Sahadev, because it is, you know, it's it, like uh, people know this stuff, but it's I think worth the reminder that uh, yeah, we got to kind of if we're able, whatever we're able to do, support the things that we care about, so that the world when it kind of gets back on its axis, it still somewhat resembles the world that we loved before. So um, you know, thank you guys all for listening. I I guess if it's not too hacky, I'll say you know. We appreciate you guys listening, and if you appreciate us podcasting, you know, what you can do is uh, subscribe, and you can rate and review us and say nice things wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can subscribe to The Athletic. You can just tell us on Twitter that you heart us. I think any of those things will suffice to put a smile on our faces. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will uh, talk to you again soon. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.